0: Special thanks to this week's sponsor, Syncfusion. You know them, you love them. They've been our sponsor since day one. They are the world's best UI component suite for building powerful web, desktop, and mobile applications. Listen, anything that you need to build, Syncfusion's got your back. They have awesome controls and their entire developer platform for Blazor, Flutter, ASP.NET Core, JavaScript, Angular, React, Vue, jQuery, MAUI, uh, Xamarin, UWP, WinForms, WPF, WinUI. They got them all. They have everything. To be honest with you, I use them in my applications for charts, graphs, sliders, controls, all the things they have awesome document processing, like Excel, PDF, Word, PowerPoint, and so much more. If there's a control or widget that you're looking to add into your application. Take a look at SyncFusion by going to SyncFusion.com forward slash merge conflict. That's SyncFusion.com forward slash merge conflict. There's a link in the show notes below. And thanks to SyncFusion for sponsoring this week's pod. All right, Frank, let's get into it. It's episode 340.
1: Oh my gosh! No way. That that's way too many numbers. Let's just call it episode forty. Hi everyone. Welcome to episode forty. Does that mean? Oh, it's a lightning round. Lightning. Ding ding Striking. ding ding. ding.
0: <laughs> yes. Every ten episodes, we break down. Six different topics that we think would be fun to talk about, and it's cool because we're just kicking off the new year, you know, over here, week two basically of uh, January. And there's some fun topics I know on the top of my head, and maybe some on the top of Frank's head. Now, if you're just now listening to Merge Conflict for the first time, like Frank said, it's a lightning topics week, which means six topics, five ish minutes each. I, I mean, <laughs> we do okay, Frank.
1: We, we we used to be very stringent with that five minute clock. And I, I noticed the last couple times we've been terrible. So we'll see everyone. We we aim for five minutes. That's how it is.
0: Yes. Um, and this week is a special week because normally Frank and I go back and forth discussing what order we should put them
1: in and this and that. But we decided to do a mystery week. Frank. <laughs> yeah, I have a set of questions. You have a set of questions. Not questions. Topics because yep. a few of them I'm afraid are going to be monologues, everyone prepare yourself, <laughs> but it's fun. monologues are fun. I love it when James monologues. We'll see if I can monologue as well.
0: Yes, well let's get into it. uh I'll go first, you go first uh,
1: th- th- this is this is the little staring contest we do in the beginning. uh, you go first, okay. uh,
0: the first topic that I want to talk about today is security and push notifications and Uh, smart cameras, Frank.
1: Oh, uh, if they're smart, then they have security or they're smart. They can get around security.
0: Yeah. So the, the current of issue is the the actual camera system that I use in my house is called UFI. As as you know, as we've talked about in the podcast, it's a, it's a system uh, from anchor, the company that makes all the battery chargers in the world Mm -hmm. and adapters. (laughs) And, um, I like them because there's no fees. There's no monthly fee and they don't store stuff you know, on the cloud, like your videos or things like that. They have a little server that you can put in your house that stores the stuff or the cameras themselves store them. Well, last year, a few months ago, and Linus, uh, did a whole thing where he, they, they like anchor, like he like kicked them out of their, their system of, of doing stuff, but basically Yuffie, there was a, a security researcher that said, Hey, like, I see that when my camera notifies and detects something that there's some photos being uploaded to a server. Um, Hmm. and that's, not what you promised and, um, people have gone back and forth. And what Yuffie came and said was like, Hey, listen, when you have notifications on in your push notifications on, you want the image to be sent. We need to upload the image somewhere and it's deleted after so many days. Um, so that's what we're using it for. And there's a bunch of other information there. that's a short story of it, but there was a whole conundrum about it, but I want to talk to you more about. Maybe the security aspect of it, but I guess more of the push notification aspect of it is like, does that seem like a legitimate reason or not? In my mind, I was like, yeah, how else are you going to get the image in the push notification? Like I always knew that they were uploading something to some server like they could not be. It's a free service that is displaying images inside of a mobile application and on push notifications. Right.
1: Yeah, it's the classic problem of we don't have perfectly synchronous communications. I can't just push an image at your phone. And even then, it doesn't make sense because you would want that image maybe on your Mac also. So all that stuff. So I, I'm a little worried to come down and just say right away, of course, this is a very good reason for it. Of course, you have to upload the image so that things can reference it and so it can be displayed. But at the same time, you know they're probably doing a little bit of extra stuff on the side with the image. They're probably throwing it into their database. They might be trying a network. Who knows what things you sign in the terms of service. So I I would say that does sound like a fine technical reason to me, but I, I am a little cynical and skeptical. That said, in the, in the end, I, I think I just kind of don't care. Um, mm. I, I don't have any, I would never have any cameras pointed indoors, only outdoors. Yep. And so if people are looking at what's in my yard, then that's fine. anyone can see what's in my yard. It's, yeah. it's okay.
0: I, I, I agree. That's, that's how our cameras are set up. And most of the times it's just photos of me in general, um, that's out there, <laughs> but you know, you were also walking by tons of cameras, that are out there. I think that's the the tricky part is like the marketing was pretty off. So I'll give Linus like that. He was really talking about like, look what the website says. It's not what it does. The website says everything's local. I was like, yeah, yeah, but like your videos are local. Like, and actually how that works, right. And how we know it works is, yeah, there's a video file on the camera on this little server here, but like those ports aren't exposed to the internet. They're exposed to, to Eufy servers and Ufi's doing a pass through to give you know a url basically a reroute right like that thing that that video yeah. file is being transmitted through servers on aws right
1: yeah and and i mean if you just think about it, like in the end it always sets up on a server if you set an mms it would end up on atnt's web servers yeah if you sent it through your own app you're you're gonna have to queue it up on a server somewhere otherwise People's phones are all going to have to be perfectly in sync with each other and receiving pushes. And we know that'll never work because I try to use Apple's walkie-talkie app and that thing can't even work. So there is no chance at synchronous communication.
0: Unless it's airdrop, it is definitely going through a server somewhere. Um, Yeah. So my my takeaway here, because some people had asked me about this because people know I use this stuff is I'm totally fine with, with, I already kind of assumed that that stuff was happening. So to me, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That being said, they should have made it more clear, right? Because the the default option is don't send a photo like that's actually the default option. But I was like, well, of course, I want a photo. I'm a push notification. <laughs> so I turned it on for all of them. But yeah. they've now made it clear that like if you turn on those options that an image is being sent temporarily to a server for X amount of days or whatever, um, and by X amount of days, I mean, probably forever.
1: And I want to applaud the security researcher for actually figuring it out. Maybe they jumped the gun a little bit and accusing them, but it is good to know people are auditing these tools. Yeah, I
0: think that's the the biggest part of it as well. And there's a lot of other things in there. This is just one aspect of it. So I won't go into the other areas, but that seemed yeah. to be the <laughs> biggest thing,
1: well, basically. Look at this. We have random topics this week and you set up a perfect segue because nice. I got a question from John Sagara, a friend of the show. And he asks, what's new in IoT, James? And I was teasing you with this question earlier. Okay, so we cheated a tiny bit. I did mention this question, but James promised he would forget everything I talked about. Uh, So I want to I wanna pitch it off to you because I have a whole story. Uh, everyone knows I bought a house, so I'm dealing with it and I'm trying to IoT my house. But I want to pitch that off to you first and then uh, I'll, I'll come back.
0: Only because CS is happening right now as we record this podcast and I've been uh, looking at different things, I believe the thing that is happening the most in IoT, especially in the smart home. World. That's where I'll focus on at least that's where I think the, the the money is at it's a thread and a matter. I don't know what they do. <laughs> um, but everyone seems to be talking about it at CES, even nano leaf, those, you know, hexagon things behind me. They have some sense control lighting automation thingy, and that uses thread or matter or something. I don't know.
1: Okay. Thread and Matter. Threat Those and are matter. your answers?
0: Okay. Yeah, that's
1: that's what's happening in IoT, Thread and Matter. I guess I'm not keeping up. So I interpret this question a little differently. I thought of it not what's late breaking at CES or whatever it is. Mm. I I took it as when I go to Amazon and I'm trying to IoT my house, what what what's the offering looking like these days? Mm. And I my answer is, you know, it's a little bit samey is what it's been for the last few years but i I, there's a few standouts that i really appreciate okay so i'll say uh i've noticed z-wave is becoming less popular and i think that's z-wave's fault i think their license was too much or something so no one is making uh cheaper products people i'm I'm looking at the cheap stuff here you know i'm not looking at the expensive stuff um Zigbee is still doing well, but Zigbee has become the expensive product. Uh, a lot of people advertise Zigbee products, but in fact, they all require hubs. So people are still trying to do the hub thing, and it's annoying. I don't want hubs. And so the Zigbee world is split. Uh, some of the devices are true Zigbee and do all the mesh stuff, not not the kind of mesh you were talking about, old, old, old mesh technology. <laughs> Um. Okay, so th- that's fine. And the cheap upper encumber, there are the Wi-Fis. Mm. And these are broken into two categories, too. You have the Wi-Fis that require their own special hub, because mm-hmm. gosh darn it, of course, <laughs> every light manufacturer, every outlet manufacturer, every switch manufacturer is making their own stupid hub. And so, if you want to get the cheap switches and stuff, that is probably the most economical way to do it. But I still refuse to get a hub on principle. Do it. (laughs) Well, the only hub I've had hubs in the past, I used to have the Wink hub and I absolutely hated it. And so, I have Alex, sorry, everyone. I have Echo Family Devices Pluses and they have Zigbee hubs built into them and obviously Wi Fi. So, I've been trying to go on that side. Hmm. Finally, James, I'm going to end this, I swear uh it's nice to see that amazon basics has started making <laughs> iot devices and they're kind of hilarious they're wi-fi devices also but of course they work with the echo family of devices so i think i'm gonna try to get as many amazon things as i can the problem is my house is big enough and annoying enough that maybe wi-fi won't be 100 percent i will have to use zigbee for some things The end.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And let me recap this. Basically, nothing has changed. Everything is fragmented and all over the place. And you basically need to have Wi-Fi for everything. No, I agree. Like I I agree with you because to me, when I look at it, I have four hubs right now. I have a Eufy hub, I have a Switchbot hub, I have a Hue Hub, and I have a Govi hub for the water sensors. Four hubs. Where
1: do you put all your hubs? Are they just like on a wall? (laughs) They are stacked. They're just stacked, they're stacked by the router. Yeah. That's not good for the radio signals. Okay. No.
0: That's that's funny. Who cares? Um, that's what I mean the house is small. The houses are small. Yeah. So they're all they're all well, they're all um, all minor connected via Ethernet. So That's nice. Yeah, that's yeah, the win. I,
1: yeah. And even the Wi Fi, you can do the mesh networking with Wi Fi now. So maybe maybe what thread you called it, other mesh, maybe those will come out, but mm. it looks like Wi Fi, you know. Wi-Fi, it, just like my homemade thermostat, it's Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is the thing. It's the easiest. So Thread,
0: let me break this down in our last 30 seconds here. Thread is a protocol that delivers internet access to your systems, just like Wi-Fi. In a nutshell, Thread features powerful encryption and can accommodate several hundred devices. Likewise, it's fast with a little latency and can accommodate nearly any device. So that's the thing. I think that you have Thread built into something, a hub. And then that is the thing that everything talks to instead of your Wi-Fi. Now, Matter provides compatibility within IoT ecosystems between different devices, applications, and system. The idea is to reduce fragmentation across different vendors and achieve interoperability among smart home devices and IoT platforms from different providers. Specifically, these are meant to solve the problem of gateways and hubs with many, many adapters, but still give compatibility with multiple systems like the Echo family, Google Assistant, HomeKit, and more. So those are the things. See, they, they work. They're together. The things that you were just talked about. Because you're uh-huh. going to buy all these things and none of them are going to have Thread or matter in them. And then you're going to like two years from now, you're like, oh, oh well, it all works. Who cares?
1: And because no one could agree on a standard, we made a new <laughs> standard. Great. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um. All right. Next uh, topic in my mind, talking about new, cool, fancy, ridiculous things is I want to talk about the future of foldables and slideables. What? Um, our good friends over at Samsung uh, have a prototype out, although I can't find a video of it, and it very much upsets <laughs> me, which is in the Flex Hybrid. It's Ooh. an OLED mobile display that can not only slide, but it can it can not only fold, but it can also slide. It converts from what? a... 10.5 inch 4.3 to a 12.4 inch 16 by 10 aspect ratio and of course it folds so you can make it like a little a tablet looks like a nintendo ds um and this thing is pretty neat uh in, in my recent ama people were asking me what i was excited for and i said i'm kind of excited for new form factors or maybe apple vr or whatever they're doing at some point like i want to yeah. build something for something cool and different and uh, when i look at this i'm like this looks exciting in some odd way because on that right-hand side, that's the slider. See that gap right there? Like it, it slides out. Like how are they stretching a the screen? Who knows, Frank? It's amazing.
1: It, it, it's it's reminding me. Okay, everyone, it's it's a clamshell, but it has a, a part of it like an edge, and you can pull on the edge, and it looks like that slides out. It reminds me of those old children toys that had like drawings that were kind of coiled up, and you could pull on them and to see more of the drawing. I love this. I love this. You know, I, I'm sure I've said it a million times on the show. I, I love my Apple. I make a living off of Apple. But gosh darn it, I want a Z Flip phone and Slidey phone. I'm not sure. The Slidey sounds like a lot of effort. Flipping is easy, but I applaud them for doing ridiculous things with their screens. And yeah, uh, th- this is classic us, right? We're we're always chasing a, a fun new bit of hardware that we want to like program for and use. And I, I, am with you. I, I love my simple phones, but I, I desperately want some new form factors too.
0: Yeah. And you know, the clam, the clamshell design is my favorite design of all time. And my, my passion for clamshell design came up, came about with the, uh, Game Boy Advance SP, Mm. uh, which was the second iteration of the Game Boy Advance. And I, by far the best, one of, one of the best. Nintendo handhelds of all time because in my personal opinion I think the Nintendo uh 3D the, the DS Lite by th- by that time was like very good it was also foldable but the clamshell just makes so much sense because it really protects that screen and you know whenever I have my phone and I have this iPhone 11 now I guess that Heather gave me you know those whenever I set it down I'm literally setting these super expensive cameras like down on a table or down on the you know ground when I'm doing something. I'm like, how are these cameras just not just torn to shreds? You know what I mean? Where if it was <laughs> foldable, those would be up. They'd, they'd be up like you're talking about the flip, right? But man, how cool would it be if you had a phone and then you could just, you know, here's the. And all of a sudden it's like a dual screen. You're like you just slide it out. Frank, it's, it's like a transformer.
1: What it's like, it's like Westworld. I, I, uh okay <laughs> i'm still the, the slide is still baffling me a little bit i i'm excited that you're excited I, again i love these screens, but i'm still a little bit confused about what the slidey is is it just it? it's just to watch movies right it's it's to yes. keep the phone a little bit tighter and then oh i'm watching a movie slider out
0: okay. oh totally or i'm reading a book okay book
1: yeah because i could do portrait mode assuming
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly that's what i think or Playing a game or doing something else, something like that. Yeah, I think, I think that's really what it is is boom, put it in this mode and you're good to go, in my opinion. And it's a rollable. I think it's the roll, I think it's roll, rollable, right? So
1: is it actually rolling it? I was making a joke with the children's toys. Is it, I, does it actually roll the screen? I don't know. It doesn't say, but maybe it does like one spin, like an escalator, you know, hmm. one, one 180 degree turn. I don't yeah. know how does any of that work why doesn't does apple do? make this yeah <laughs> I, i'm I'm very angry that i'm an apple fanboy and i'm not buying any of these phones
0: <laughs> no i don't get to i don't get to buy i don't get to buy any of this craziness anymore it, is this for sale or is it just like a ces thing that's a ces prototype which means it'll never come out but i like this it's someone's doing it yep yep
1: ces is like my favorite time i know i went to ces one is year. it Oh yeah I you know I I remember all the uh tech people pundits <laughs> always hated CES because it was so much effort and everything but I am a freakish consumer and it is fun to see products we should go out silly they are we should go one year Great. what's we should go next year
0: let's go I I think as anyone can go I would go and the the I haven't gone since I worked for Seaton but I went uh because we presented there and it was wild there's just like I mean there's just so much stuff. There's there's halls of just stuff that were, you know, the, the tiniest little people that are coming up with the craziest things, you know, they get covered. I mean, it's it's super wild. Um, and it's a super yeah. fun show. I know it's different now. I think it's changed a lot over the years, obviously, but I feel like it's kind of coming back and it's happening. So I'll be down to go. I think it'd be fun.
1: Oh, yeah. OK, we'll, we'll try. It's probably exhausting. It's probably like going to Comic Con or something. Are, are we supposed to dress up?
0: No, I don't. I don't. Oh. Be- I don't believe so. I'm going
1: to dress up as an AirPod.
0: Okay, I'm going to slide up. I'm going to. I'm going to be a slideable phone, <laughs> so you can slide my my arm out. And you know, and then it becomes
1: okay. Okay. Next Enough on that topic. <laughs> uh, the next one I feel a little bit bad about because it is going to be a bit of a monologue f- from me, but it will, I'll, we'll we'll find a way to involve James. Everyone, <laughs> hi. Uh, this is a question from Korea kareel i can say your name hi friend of the show he is asking tell or demanding that i say tell us about your time on the wpf team as much detail as possible (laughs) this is my fault i talk about this too much but they were very formative years and everything and uh yeah i did work on the wpf team it was a very formative job what what, we've we've done a bit of your background what was your most formative job most
0: formative job mm, as uh, a professional programmer sir uh, as a professional bro i worked at i worked at uh can well two two jobs i worked at canon writing printer software that was I to was pre- say
1: that one that yeah, was my guess that's pretty
0: that's pretty the other one i was just became a mobile developer and yeah. it's pretty professional but I-, I would say my first job was like
1: enterprise scale so yeah yeah uh, it, Okay, so I, I was lucky and got to work on the WPF team at the time. We called it uh, Avalon. Avalon. It was for this new operating system called Longhorn, which eventually became Vista. And those were great products. So I, I highly recommend everyone should work on a product everyone loves for their first time out of college. So, so it was good times, James. Designing a new UI paradigm. We invented XAML. We invented trying to use the GPU. That's not true. Apple was already using the GPU. Microsoft was catching up. Try to use the GPU on these new fancy machines for all your window drawing and all that kind of stuff. And I was lucky. I got to work in the uh, media integration stuff. So Ooh. this was the, um, you know, it, it's funny. So it was all the low-level drawing, which was all implemented in C++ code and com code. But we wanted to make a beautiful C Sharp wrapper over all of that kind of stuff. And so that's how WPF got invented. That's how, um, do you remember like system.windows.media? <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how that, that's, that, that was my team, everyone. We were system.windows.media. And it was the 2D drawing. I didn't get to work on that, sadly. There was the 3D graphics rendering. I didn't get to work on that, sadly. What I worked on was imaging. So it's not too different from your printer stuff, honestly. Uh, So loading images, the API, the metadata. James, we built a beautiful metadata API around all that kind of stuff. WPF had amazing imaging stuff. We had transform things. No one ever really used them, but they could resize the images. And that's what people mostly used them for. (laughs) But uh, it was fun because it was graphics programming out of college yeah
0: I like that I mean this was a, yeah it's it's big enterprise software enterprise company right I think it was very similar yeah. to my time at canon as well It was a very you know we had a lot of processes in place and a lot of things
1: like that um i I learned build systems for the first time. Like I never had to deal with a build system before and there was a giant one because every time we wanted this is one of the reasons uh Vista had a reset is every time we wanted to change something and how the application programming model changed, you had to recompile the operating system. <laughs> mm. And that it was just a tremendous amount of work. It 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 slowed everyone down to a snail's pace, but it was interesting to see, as you said, big enterprise play out. Yeah. That's
0: pretty cool that uh, was that your that wasn't your first job out of college, right?
1: Or no, 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 I, I was working at GM before right. then, but that was more of an engineering job. So I I kind of distinguished between my software career and my engineering career. Um, I, I will say, though, I got really into security. So my actual job title at the time was a developer in Test. Oh. So I was programming, but I wasn't programming the final API that people used. I was writing apps that tested those APIs, and so it was kind of great. I got to be basically a white hat, hat white hat, white hat hacker, and uh, I really specialized in imaging file formats. So I got to know the gif or gif whichever format you want to call that Mm -hmm. i got to know that file format inside and out i've done things with gifs that you don't you don't even want to know crashes most operating systems but not windows thanks to us (laughs) Uh, jpeg tiff they were all terrible they're all terrible file formats and it's amazing how you can make operating systems crash so i worked a lot in the imaging department and managing both we call them the codecs and it was a pluggable interface so it was user extendable so you had to make sure all that kind of stuff worked too it's so much work writing an operating system <laughs> who wants to do that <laughs> that's true that's true well, i'm
0: proud of you and you know wpf as someone was asking me like "Yo, what's the happening with it you know there was in the ama and i was like they're like oh is that an i'm gonna replace blah blah i was like "Oh man, wpf just and someone asked me like oh i have a wpf app should i migrate it to dot I said do you do you need to target anything besides you need Windows. To. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, don't rewrite it just because there's something new and shiny. I was like, put put your WPF app .NET seven. It's gonna be great. I don't know, nothing wrong with that. You
1: know, yeah, I, I saw that. There was uh it is it is a little apropos because I think WPF was uh transferred to a different department outside of Windows recently at Microsoft. And so people are nervous, but hmm. look everyone, like Visual Studios built on it. It's baked into the OS. Your your apps are safe for probably 10 years i was gonna say five but you're probably safe for like 10 years on wpf maybe at some point you'll have to port it but it's not gonna be anytime soon i don't know
0: there's team Still sports i mean winforms apps run on app, right so exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think you're safe don't don't port the app unless you have to yeah that's you know and i've been going through that even with all my xamarin forms apps too just because i'm like i there's one or two that i'm like started the migration on what I've already done. But the other ones I'm just like, yeah, it's fine right now. Like there's really no reason for me to put in any work right now over the holidays and just enjoy my holidays. So I just didn't. So problem solved. In fact, which is what I decided to do over the holidays, Frank. I just roast some delicious coffee because uh, that's my other passion project. Besides you building some IOT devices and talking and knowing all the things about IOT and iot your house, I've been getting in back into, I should say coffee, roasting at home, which is a science and really is kind of like being an engineer. I think that to me, all software engineers or some, not everyone, but I think software engineers, some things that are cooler, are like pinball, because I think pinball mm-hmm. is cool. Like how does it work? Nobody knows. And mm-hmm. then, uh, like brewing or roasting things I think is it's a science. And I think is very, very enlightening. Uh, in general, but I've been getting deep dive into it. But specifically, I want to uh get into coffee. I just drank a cup of my roasted coffee that I have here, and I made that with an aeropress. And now our listeners here don't know, but our Patreon subscribers do that. For Christmas, I brought Frank Krueger an Aeropress, Press, which is the best way of making a cup of coffee, a single cup of coffee. And uh, Frank, I'm curious, has Said AeroPress been used to make delicious cup of coffee,
1: or no? Oh, I, I'm just set up for failure. I, I, I'm, I'm ruining the podcast right now. James, it's been sitting in the box, staring at me, saying, Frank, make delicious coffee out of me. Frank, make delicious coffee. And I just keep staring back at it, saying, no, Mr. Coffee is making my delicious coffee, and I don't know what to do with you. James, I am so thankful for the gift. What a wonderful gift from you but I apologize profusely. I have not yet experienced the lifestyle. And I'm very sad. That, that hurts. My, hurts <laughs> I, when
0: I got the the notification that I've been delivered, I was like, oh, this is going to be great because Frank's going to get onto the, the Patreon fees and be like, oh, I got this brand new thing. Just like tested it out. Just like, like a kid in the candy store. Got a new IOT device, AKA coffee making device and boom, good to go. Um, well, I guess I'll have to roast you some beans. Roasting beans is very fun. I have a fresh roast. Uh, SR 500, the 540 is out now. Um, so people were asking me as well. So, uh, on, on my last stream, so I wanted to talk about it a little bit, but uh, it's very fascinating now. Roasting beans yourself. You can roast them in anything. You can roast them in a, in a popcorn popper. For example, uh, the fresh roast, I think is a few hundred dollars to buy. Uh, and you mm-hmm. roast about six ounces at a time. So a third of a pound, uh, and it takes just, you know, eight or nine minutes and you buy green beans. Not green beans, but green coffee beans, (laughs) Frank. Mm -hmm, Those are mm -hmm.
1: unroasted coffee beans, which are very
0: cheap. They're like
1: $6 a pound. Okay, so I shouldn't roast the roasted beans. Got it. I will buy some green beans. Uh, Can one use like one of those little little toasters? You know, like a little toaster oven? Could you use that?
0: I probably not. Uh, I would say that
1: you could
0: definitely do a, uh, air popper. In fact, sweet Maria's mm-hmm. is the website that I use. And specifically they have a whole bunch of information on it, but you could get a, a, a nostalgic popcorn popper and use that. And I think, cause it moves it around and they have different okay. guides. Now what you have to do, it's, it's a science because every second mm-hmm. kind of matters, which is really, something cool to think about now, the, the one that I have, I'll give you a link to it. So you, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. on sweet Maria's website, where I also buy my beans. Um, uh, specifically what you do is you have control over low heat, medium, high heat, and then you're able to adjust the fan and you start off with a low heat, high fan. And what you're trying to do is get all of the moisture out of the beans because the beans Ah. have moisture in them. So you can start roasting them that usually takes a minute or two and then you have to pump up um the heat and then you turn down so it's kind of just like going through and it's like spinning around it's doing stuff and the beans start to, to turn colors right it's like <laughs> you know i think it's like the first time that i roasted beans a while ago and i got back into it, and i just bought like 50 more pounds of, of beans recently so i'm gonna start start up doing some stuff um but it was kind of like the first time we had that fun moment like oh i made something right and and it, it starts to, it starts to get yellow and then it starts to get brown. And then you're like, okay, I need to start to adjust again. Like how dark do I want the roast? Like, and it starts making noise. It, it pops, right? Because you're literally roasting a bean, like popping a popcorn. <laughs> and, uh, they call it the, um, do they call it the first. First crack. And it's, it makes cracking noises. And then the second crack is when it's like popcorn, basically it's like, like rice Krispies almost. Um, so anyways, it's super amazing. If you haven't tried coffee roasting, it's it's so easy to do now. SweetMaria's.com uh everything you ever need if and anyone also has other recommendations you can you can pour it in they have all sorts of green beans that you can buy um tons of great resources books stuff like that um i just wanted to mention it it's not
1: really a discussion but i wanted to talk yeah. about it because i think I it's see. cool yeah I, I got nothing other than super cool i like that there's a cheap one i could i could do the roasting if i want to get into roasting and i want to toss out there completely unrelated to this uh if you're ever trying to make a fried rice a fun way to do it is to pre-roast the rice in like an oil or something Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same satisfaction you get you have to be very careful you have to do it very quickly you got to keep it moving but you can roast the rice and if it pops you did it wrong you can't go that far you don't want to go that far but you roast it and then uh you cook it in like a, a a chicken soup or something like that anyway to uh, fluffing up the rice anyway just wanted to mention you can do fun roasting stuff with rice also but i will try your coffee thing at some point yeah
0: maybe i'll just make you coffee i'll send it to you in the you have to grind it i guess you have a grinder you have a
1: not a good grinder you gotta you gotta <laughs> I got a manual one for manual people oh that's good that's good that you have a good one then yeah you it's can... exhausting no it... <laughs> It's terrible. Yeah.
0: People live and die by the manual grind. I, I used to, I, I thought about, I had one originally. And then I, I, I'm proud of you because literally after like six months, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to use this ever again. So. Um.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we, we are going a little bit long, but I have one topic left. And so we're going to end on something fun that I'm a little worried you're going to roll your eyes at, but I'm hoping you'll have fun with it too. James, I did a deep dive into chat GPT. <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Not because, uh, okay, because I have been enjoying it, but I don't want to talk about like that part of it, how useful it's been to me, how wonderful it's been to me. I actually want to talk about uh, what makes it so special because after using it for a while, I was questioning, what does make you so special? Have you read any technical articles or anything to know like, usually there's some innovation in a new neural network. And so have you run into anything at all technical about it?
0: No, not at all. Basically, I uh, try to ignore everything about chat GPT as much as I humanly can.
1: Oh, darn. Okay. Well, this is going to be a fun segment to everyone. <laughs> uh, does well, it have okay. something
0: to do with its in, uh, sibling model, InstructGPT?
1: It does, in fact. And in some ways, I just want to talk about Instruct. <laughs> well, not really. Actually, there's another model before Instruct. So let me break it down. Why, why I think it's kind of special. So ChatGPT is just GPT. So there, we've had GPT two, we've had GPT three. They trained a new GPT. They call it GPT three point five. So it's mm. it's just a bigger, more powerful one. But if you've ever used GPT, you would know that it it makes for okay answers, but it, it's it's not. Great. It, it, it's so general purpose that it's sometimes hard to get it to do what you want. I made that YouTube video of an AI reacting to Star Wars. And it was good, but it it, it didn't it lacked a little bit of cleverness and things like that and through lines and things like that. So I was curious what actually made ChatGPT special. And it turns out this is this is the part I wanted to get to that was all precursor. <laughs> the algorithm that they're using to train it is reinforcement learning, which mm. is the algorithms I use to train like my robots. It is uh neural networks for robotics. The idea being um there's a world out there, the robot wants to interact with it. Every time the robot interacts with the world, it gets rated, it gets judged how well it's interacting with the world. And what they ended up doing was using this reinforcement learning to train the neural network. I want to talk a few more details about it, but I'm going to stop there for a moment. Doesn't that sound a little bit fun using robotic stuff to train these big things? Yeah, that's
0: really neat. I mean, I I think the world of machine learning and AI and stuff like they're going to converge in some different parts. And uh, that's really neat. I mean, can you talk a little bit, um, about this type of training, like what that actually means? You said that it's yeah. this specific type of training, the reinforcement training, but like, what would be a scenario that you, would you do with your robot, for example, that would be applied in the scenario?
1: Right. Okay. So like for a balancing robot, the way the whole thing works is you give it rewards over time. And from the rewards, how much you rewarded it decides whether it was acting well or not. It's a very time-based thing. And so for like a balancing robot, I could say, are you standing upright? Give it it an award every time it's standing Mm. upright. So how does that translate to... (laughs) chatbot. <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, the neat problem that they were trying to solve is actually a more like philosophical problem. How do you align the outputs of neural networks and the things that they do with your actual desires for what they should do. It sounds a little bit obvious, but it's, it's not always aligned. Like for example, if I go to old GPT and say like, how do I roast some coffee? It may or may not give me an answer. It's really depending on some random number generator. What they did for this reinforcement learning is put humans in the loop. And this is the cool breakthrough that they came to. They said, we want to make sure that this thing is actually useful for humans. And so really, the only way to do that, we don't we don't have the mathematics for that. Humans are complicated. What are we going to do? We're just going to ask humans. <laughs> and so they actually paid for enough people, uh, I don't know, which service they used and all that. But what they would do is have the neural network generate five answers or whatever to a prompt. And then the human would pick which one is better. And then they would do that again. And the human would pick which one is better. And the great revelation that they came to, and I really think this is kind of profound is they Not they, someone else, sorry, there's more work here. But uh, they found there's a way, just by having people choose which one's better, which one's better, which one's better, this one's better, that one's better, you can create a reward function. And once you have a reward function, now you can use reinforcement learning, a robotics technique to make the network better. And all that sounds so highfalutin and so weird but it worked. That's the amazing thing. It actually worked. And so I love it. I, I, I think it's very exciting in the field.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. And reinforcement training, another scenario here, not only just on robots, but also on dogs.
1: Oh, yeah. It, you don't want to make too many analogies to real living things because the way we treat these networks is terrible. you never treat a living thing like that. <laughs> but in the case of a neural network, you can treat them terribly and make them learn from a million human responses. It's neat. I I I almost want to train my balance robot based upon this. The idea is like you show a 1.5 second video, two different ones, and you say which one's better. Do that again. Which one's better? Which one's better? Which one's better? And then it just figures out how to get better over time. It's like a holy grail. I've I've always wanted to implement something like this.
0: This is amazing. I I've decided to sign up based on this conversation about um and what you said I've never used <laughs> chat gpt now to sign up and use chat gpt is um a, a terrible process you have to like yeah you have to put in your phone number and that feels wrong um but i did it you can't use voip you, you have to use a real one oh. um so i asked them i said what is the best way to roast coffee on a fresh roast sr500 which is what i use Mm -hmm. It says the fresh roast sr 500 is a small home coffee roaster that uses hot air to roast coffee beans. Here are some steps you can follow to roast coffee with your fresh roast sr 500. Now, I don't think I'll follow these specifically, but it says, Mm. um, start by selecting your coffee beans. You can use any type of coffee bean you'd like, but keep in mind that different types of beans will roast differently. That makes sense. Preheat your fresh roast by turning it on and setting it to the highest heat setting. That's fascinating. I've never read that before. I don't know where they got this from, but
1: Mm -hmm. I want to. I want to ask if- it. You can follow up and be like, "Where did you get that knowledge from?" You can ask it. Really? Okay. Hold on. Oh yeah, it's freakishly knowledgeable. Uh, uh, while you're typing that, I, I will interject. Uh, I do recommend people go check out the website where they actually describe the network because you can go and try GPT and ask that same question to GPT, and it's going to give you a nonsense answer. So it is all because of this whole like. we're we're making this for humans. We're actually trying to make it comfortable to use that. It actually gave you that decent of an answer. I'm just gloating. I just love it.
0: Yeah. It went through eight steps. It went through this whole thing. It was like, uh, when it's preheated, when it's preheated and says, it says only up to four ounces, which is correct. But I have the extender, which gives me up to six ounces. Um, add beans to the roasting chamber, turn the heat down to medium and start the roast by pressing the start button. Roast will take about 10 to 15 minutes. That's way too long, by the way, Uh, depending on how dark you like the roast. As the bean roasts, you'll go through several stages, green to yellow, yellow to tan, tan to brown. You can use the fresh roast SR500's built-in timer to track to the roast time. When it's finished, it will auto shut off. Carefully pour the roast beans into a colander or strainer to remove any shape. That is correct. Chaff, (laughs) shape, shape. And it says the outer layer of bean that comes off during roasting. Let the beans cool for a few minutes, then transfer them into an airtight container. It's the best to let the beans rest for a day before brewing. I love that. It says, the guide is based on information from the manufacturer's website and general knowledge about home roasting coffee. Just general knowledge that it knows.
1: General knowledge. General knowledge. Wow. Um, okay. Well, we've cracked it, people. <laughs> yes. It does
0: say. It's, it's fascinating because then it says, you know, it repeats a sentence that it said earlier. And then it says, it's a popular choice. The steps I provided are, I provided.
1: Mm. Oh. Yeah. Um, yep. It's, it's, it's an entity. It I, deserves the I title.
0: I recommend consulting the manufacturer's instructions or seeking advice from someone who has experience using it. If you have specific questions about this particular roaster,
1: I'll say, thank you, Chad GPT. That question comes up a lot. Do you, do you thank it? I thank it. I know it's honestly, it's literally just wasting power in the world to thank it. But at the same time, how can you not, if it was helpful, you thank it.
0: I'm gonna say 10 to 15 minutes sounds like a long roast time is that correct
1: well we've completely ruined our lightning talks now now we've deteriorated into one of those let's just chat with chat gpt podcasts <laughs> all right all right i'm very fascinated did it, did it agree no uh okay. it says the it
0: says the roast time for beats can vary uh, by many factors and it's like okay it should chill totally be 10 to 15 minutes. I was like, all right. Oh, now it's now right? it's ex- now it's describing to me in detail what each stage of the process <laughs> is. Um you're gonna learn so much tonight chatting with it. It says the roast is generally considered to be finished when the beans reach the desired roast level and emit series of cracking noises known as the first crack and the second crack. That is correct. Chat GPT, you're so smart. Why do I even exist anymore? <laughs> see, I shouldn't have signed up. Logging out. It gives me hope. It doesn't make me sad. Also, I want to say one final thing. When you go to log into ChatGPT, they have figured out how to use Bootstrap and center, log in and sign up and some text on the screen. It took Frank having me Google that to do that in Bootstrap for my amazing uh, website that I built for coffee roasting um, to center an image inside of the website because center tags don't work. And that makes me sad. They used to work. They used to. They work if you don't use any other CSS. <laughs> yeah. Who needs CSS? That It made me so sad when I now know why it doesn't work because of the CSS and the bootstrap. But I was like, just center
1: it. It's like, nope. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the one thing you used to be able to do in HTML. At, at least it's become a meme. That's all people joke about is centering a div. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and I did
0: update my, my fave Ico, and I, I did figure out how to get it all centered, which is great. Uh, Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's uh, interesting, enlightening Merge Conflict, maybe. I don't really know what this episode was, but hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, head over to MergeConflict.fm. That's a whole website that we run. Uh, I don't do anything by it. We use our amazing host, Fireside, which we've used for many, 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 many years, uh, um, since year two, I think, of Merge Conflict. There's a, there's a Discord button, there's a Patreon button, there's a uh, subscribe button, there's a sponsor button, there's a whole bunch of stuff. The Patreon one's a cool one. We put up bonus episodes every single week. This week's bonus episode is called New Year's Drones, where we talk about drones flying over the space needle, and then we ramble for 20 minutes. Um, if you really want a solid Patreon one, maybe I'll release it to the world at some point, mm-hmm. check out the Patreon And check out the one from a week ago, which is called Spoilers Avatar 2, where I rant for way too long about Avatar 2.
1: Um, There we go. I'm always here for your movie reviews. I used to have a movie podcast called The Movie Podcast. (laughs) So well named. (laughs) It was a podcast Uh, about video games. No, it was a podcast about movies. (laughs) I do miss it. I I do actually enjoy you talking about. We'll, we'll, We'll talk about more movies. Maybe we'll do Puss in Boots if I ever go see it. Which act surprisingly looks pretty good. Well, the Mario movie is
0: coming out, which is uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, And then I just finished Fleischman is in trouble, which is a TV miniseries based on a book with Jesse Eisenberg, Claire Danes and Lizzie Kaplan. Very good. Kind of depressing. It's on Hulu. Hmm. Um, But I just binged that over the the holiday break. So that's my update on stuff. All right. I look forward to the next update on stuff. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. That's gonna do it for this week's merge conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montamagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.